Hello. It is actually Friday, and it's Bring It In with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe, who is back in his home in Florida, surviving the craziness that is Hurricane Ian. How are you, sir? I am a lucky, lucky man, Gerard. Lucky, <laughs> dry. Uh, everything's in one piece. Yeah, I didn't expect this. It, it's weird. Have you ever evacuated from a potential Category 5 hurricane? No, definitely not. Nope, don't have those up here much. <laughs> second, <laughs> second one in five years where we, I had to say goodbye. Literally, as we drove out of my driveway, we, we were out of the driveway, and Chrissy, my wife, said, did you say goodbye to the house? I'm like, I did. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I actually shed a tear just as uh, uh, one of my old players, Kevin Martin, bought me a beautiful, like a, a hard um, uh, metal, uh, a weather-resistant plaque with my dad's face and loving memory, blah, blah, blah. And he bought me a tree to plant. Mm -hmm. So we have a little cool fire pit area in our side of our, heart, our house and our yard. And I'm growing a tree by that fire pit. We all congregate there every winter. In fact, we'll be there tonight. We have our first cool weather as of last night, which is great. We'll be gone tomorrow, I'm sure. And so when I pulled the plaque out to protect it, mm. I thought the tree would not make it because it's only, you know, it, he got right. me for me in January. And I, I got a little teary there. But yeah, I figured, fuck it. I, yeah, house is a house. I'm not married to a house from the trees. Right, right, right. But we did expect to say goodbye. Like we had all of our important papers and all that shit. But mm -hmm. It turned right early, which is the second time in five years it's happened. Mm -hmm. We had a, a nice little three-day vacation, and some people <laughs> are unbelievably unlucky. Yeah. We got lucky this time. Yeah, and you know, you, you, you talked about that. Like Again, for people who don't live in Florida or places where natural disasters like this happen, this is how this stuff turns. It turns on a dime. Yeah. And it really is luck. Like, there's nothing. Luck. I mean, no. you can prep your house as much as possible, whatever, but if no. it's coming and you're in the way, you can't do anything about 150 mile winds and you can't do anything about storm surge. I mean, you can do your best, but you get the fuck out basically. And if you can, we could. And we drove through it, Gerard. This is so I've driven through Florida hit Katrina first. I was in Miami when it hit, working on a player. And uh, category one, we lost our, our power right away. My brother's house then, too. And then I drove up the West Coast that next morning, which is probably stupid of me, but I was stupid. And I could see a little bit of devastation. We've gone, Charlie hit a couple years ago, or more than a couple, like 18 years ago, whatever. That was bad. We drove through this right, literally, you could see where the storm went through. More and more trees going down as we got closer. Uh, we actually gassed up and got some food before we crossed the state of Florida, just because we, we knew every exit might be fucking scary. We were yeah. smart to do that. Some of the exits were underwater, cars sitting in the water. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great things about Florida weather-wise. This ain't that. You know, this hurricane season sucks. We're gonna be yeah. out of here soon and, enough. And you know, we're we're thankful, of course, that Coach Thorpe was lucky to to be able to get away with his mom and his wife. Yep. Uh, his kids are fine at school yep. uh, where they are. Yep. Uh, not not really affected. Yep. But you know, there are people in Florida who don't have the means, Thousands. the capacity, the whatever. Who you know. And you mentioned something interesting uh, before the show. I'd love for you to talk about, say it again, about Governor DeSantis and that political ploy he pulled with yeah. the immigrants, sending him on a, on a plane to, to Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, it's something we talked about when I was down in Miami. Um, he budgeted $12 million to fly illegal immigrants or asylum seekers, really. Mm -hmm. they're, they're trying to flee terrible governments themselves. And um, he, he's budgeted $12 million to fly them out. And I did a quick math at, at $400 a pop. And you know he can get a deal on an airplane if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. But even at 400 a pop, he could have flown 30,000 people to safety. That's a huge number. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, of course, there's a million ways to come up with that kind of, that kind of money. And, and now he's shilling for money. He's asking for donations, which is fine. I, 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 please, we're going to donate. We, we, we met some people who had evacuated with all their belongings. Like my, We brought like papers and a couple photos. Mm -hmm. And we hid some shit in like areas we knew would be safe, you know, artwork, whatever. Um, people, you know, people had felt like they were never going to see their home again. So helping them with money is fine, but we could have donated that money way ahead of time and started mm -hmm. flying people out, but we shouldn't have to donate. This is what right. government's supposed to do. It's, you know, we have to manage risk as best we can. It's why we evacuated, but a government's supposed to protect as best as possible, not just from a foreign invasion or viruses man-made mm -hmm. issues like this it'd be nice for the government but in his mind it's all about uh personal responsibility meanwhile the federal government's gonna be bailing him out for sure yeah and and it's you know again 
elected officials who their job is to is to serve the constituency that elected them, right? The, the citizens of the state of Florida are Governor DeSantis or not even ostensibly in actual practice should be his number one concern. Yep. So that $12 million he fooled around with a silly political stunt yep. could have been well used to help the people in his own state of need. And it's unfortunate, but you know, that is where we are today. Yeah. Um, moving on to basketball. Um, we had media week this week. We had training camp start. I mean, Coach, we had a preseason game early in the wee hours this morning. Uh, the uh, Golden State Warriors and Washington Wizards are in Tokyo. Um, so they, they played a basketball game this morning. And, you know, preseason, I'm sure, like for you, Coach, is always like, oh, God, especially for the, the star players, because they're not. They're, they're not. I don't want to say not yeah. taking it seriously. They're not playing like how they're supposed to be playing for real. But as a coach, there are illustrative things I'm sure you take from it. Um, if you read Warriors Twitter this morning, it's all about James Wiseman. Oh, my God, we're ready to rock and roll. And I know you watched him. On Synergy, what did you see from James Wiseman and what did you take away from his preseason performance? You know, I'm a fan. I've been a fan, mm-hmm. as you know. Um, he gives them, you know, we all know what he gives them. Okay, that's not news. But in the game today, there was there was a there was one play where the Wizards, I think maybe had switched off Monte Morris to him, and he and and uh James was under the rim, and Draymond was like eight feet away. It was an awkward spacing. And Draymond just Threw the ball up in the air. Nothing, not a lob dunk. Just threw it where Monte couldn't get it. Wise went up, caught it, finished. Like it's what I taught my son to do was in sixth grade. When we have a six foot two guy and their tallest guy's five eight, just throw it up in the air. Like we can't dunk it, but that bad guy's not going to get it. Our guy's going to get it right next to the rim. And that's what Draymond did. He can't do that with Looney. I love right. Kevon Looney, but he can't <laughs> do that with Kevon Looney. And then Steph had a sweet little driving right, one hand lob, boom, dunk. Like he gives them, he gives the Cuisinart like another, like a fourth dimension, you know, above the rim play. Uh, he blocked the shot. You know, there's, he, I'm going to write about him in a couple of weeks. There's a lot he still has to learn. It's a weird dynamic to ride where most of his learning has had to be via textbook. You know, it's like a lawyer going to law school uh, and then for years you're studying, you're studying for the bar, and now all of a sudden you're a lawyer. Even and some lawyers don't even practice what they study, but let's assume that you are. You still got to go through it. Mm-hmm. So you've learned all this stuff, but it's just on paper. There's no practical experience. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a fast learning curve when you if you've watched if he's watched a lot of tape, which I suspect he has, but he's still got to do it. And um, let me tell you something. If this if this dude plays <laughs> to his potential, uh, Looney looks great. Like they're gonna have Draymond looked fine. You know, the, the veterans were asleep all summer, is my guess. That's not to say they're not in shape. They are. Right. But I, they, none of them shot well today because they don't give a fuck. Right. Right. This is just let's go through the kinks. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like um, you don't worry about the, 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 the chips and putts you miss on the practice screen before the round. Right. Right. right? You're just trying to work the kinks out and get loose. That's all they were doing. But for James Weissman, all these reps matter. And for these guys to experience, we can throw passes to him, make plays with him that we can't do with anyone else that we've ever had since Bogut, really. And even Bogut wasn't mm-hmm. an athlete, just seven feet tall. It's a really scary dimension for them and for the league. Yeah. So the Warriors are attempting to do something that is quite difficult to do in sports, which is maintain a current aging generation of star players while also having the future on the team at the same time. And if I said to you this statement, tell me if you think it's true or false. Okay. A lineup of DiVincenzo, Poole, Moody, Kaminga, and Wiseman as your second five. So your, your, your next five coming off the bench. Is that the best, the best second five in the NBA? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. But I really love it. You did that because it's September still. So ask me in January, February, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah ask yeah, me. Yeah. I tell you, it's athletic. It's got multiple uh, dimensions to it. Let's just see how good the shooting can be. Wiseman, I don't know that he made a three. I think he made like an 18-footer, looked pretty good on the baseline, right baseline. Um, he had eight, I think most of his baskets were five dunks maybe out of the eight shot. I think it was eight of 11 from the field. Eight of 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm a big DiVincenzo fan. I think he's going to help. Moody and Kaminga both can be plus players. Um, but again, to your point, don't just ask me in January, February, <laughs> ask me in January, February, 2024. 
2025. These guys can be those next guys. Uh, they're all they have that talent. Let's you know, and the Warriors have their culture and their player development's been great. Let's see if it continues. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about this the league has started, training camps, opening up. NBA TV has done something interesting. You know, one of the popular shows that works for the NFL is Hard Knocks, right? Where HBO cameras go into a team for training camp and you get pretty raw yeah. about what's going on uh, behind the scenes. The NBA doesn't really give us a whole lot, but they're doing something uh, with, with training camps this year. And NBA TV was with the Philadelphia 76ers who are in Charleston, South Carolina uh, for, for their training camp. And a clip has made its way around the internet between Doc Rivers and James Harden just having a conversation. And I thought it was interesting on a number of levels because one it's coach communicating with player, which I've experienced in, which you have experienced in, but it's also the dynamics of as Henry and I, we always talk about is the org chart, right on the org chart, you know, Doc Rivers is technically above James Harden, but James Harden's an MVP. So it's, you know, it's not exactly a fluid, you know, kind of I'm your boss. This is what we're doing. It's like you have input as someone like James Harden. And I thought it was interesting. I'm just going to read the conversation, a little piece of it. Um, so this is Doc talking to James Harden. I'm just going to stay on you because I get what you're saying. All right. But I want you to hear me first. I get it 100%. But what I'm trying to get Joel first to establish is be a better post player. We were a horrible, would you agree? A horrible post-passing team last year. Harden, of course. Horrible, all right? So our objective is getting that first, and that's what you've got to have, that right spirit about. And you've got to be a leader. Like, motherfucker, whatever. Like, you know, getting James to, like, get in guys' face. Get them to do it right. And then what I've got to get you all right on is when to roll on pick and rolls, when to pop, when you've got the isolation. And that's what I'm saying. You and him, y'all got to get a communication where y'all listen to each other, right? If you want the ball, like I thought those last three or four times you wanted it, and Doc was there talking about a scrimmage. We've got to get you in actions that you want. We can't just say you're a facilitator. I need you to be a scorer and a facilitator, and it's going to take time clearing it out. But we need you to be aggressive. We need you to be aggressive, James, with those last five minutes of that scrimmage like you were. And it's going to come. It's going to take a while, but when it clicks, we're going to be unbeatable. Unbeatable. But you've got to keep your spirit up. And then when you see someone else's spirits down, like right now, who else is struggling mentally a little bit? And Harden goes into Tobias and Tyrese. And we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. But I thought that conversation was interesting. And I sent it to you right away, the yeah. video. And you're like, I got thoughts. So just from that clip and you as a communicator, what did you think there? Well, first of all, uh, I, don't, I don't typically qualify my statement, but I will here. That's a snippet, mm -hmm. right? We don't know everything. I'm going to tell you a quick backstory. You remember, remember the old show, Real World? The MTV show, Real World? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, the, the year two, there was a country and Western singer named John on the show who was based in San Fran, if I remember right. And I met him. I didn't meet him. I was in a VIP room with him years later at an SEC basketball tournament, actually, in Atlanta. And I recognized him like, hey, like four or five years ago, he was on that show. Mm -hmm. And there was a crowd of people around him in this room. And uh, I heard him talking. And of course, what do you think someone said? What was it like compared to what we mm -hmm. saw? Right. And I'm, I didn't meet him, but I was listening. And he said the weirdest thing. Like, they grabbed 30 minutes from a week of living. Yeah. But, but I was living 24 hours a day. Right, right. Unrecognizable. Like, it just was, a, it was just another thing. So I always think about that with these kinds of things. So that being said, Gerard, my, my first thought was, I don't know that James Harden needs to be told anything by Doc Rivers about basketball. All right, it'd be like telling Mozart, you, you got to add a C note there <laughs> or a G. That's a flat mm -hmm. G. No, that's Mozart. Mm -hmm. This is Mozart. So uh, I thought that the smartest thing, again, in context, I would have liked Doc to say to James, give me your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you, what you think is going on. Where are we struggling? Um, let James talk. Then I thought it'd be smart for Doc to say, well, I need you to be aggressive because he talks about that. But we are such a bad post-passing team. We got to get the ball inside. I'm not even sure I, admit, I totally understood what Doc was trying to say. But I would tell you, uh, uh, Gerard, that I was told from a teammate of his that Jimmy Butler fucking hated the way Brett Brown used to always scream, get the ball to the post, get the ball to the post, mm -hmm. get the ball to the post. Because Jimmy knows that. <laughs> and, and Right. And knows when to do it. Like these guys, mm -hmm. again, I've said this before. This is, this is some growth I've come through as a coach that at some point 
I'm not saying they know more than me. They, they actually, they do know more than me in some cases, certainly as players on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can be player centric to themselves because they're the ones playing for themselves. Whereas a coach can hover and see all five guys more, but uh, at the highest levels, they're they're you're better off taking from them and then kind of building around. And I and I James's points were, uh, I'm not totally sure, but I think James feels like the ball needs to be in my hands all the time. What a surprise! <laughs> like, right? That, that that is not something that anyone is expecting not to hear. Uh, I don't. I don't know that they weren't amazing last year on offense. I think they were. I think Harden, Embiid, pick and roll was unbelievable. Excellent. Uh, The reason why they're not a great post-passing team is Embiid's not a great post-passer. So if you want to do a drill working on that, great. If you want to say to James, listen, during the season, we're in crunch time. We probably don't want to get the ball to him in those situations because we got to get a better shot. But now's the time to practice it. That, to me, would have made some sense. Um, But... You're going to mention Monty Williams in a minute. I know uh, what caught me more than anything was, why are they talking about this now? They've had all summer, like Mm. all summer. How do you not? And maybe they have. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. How how have you not already had these conversations about, you know, he says it's not a democracy. It's a pecking order. Yes. That's Mm -hmm. I've been saying that shit for three decades, except (laughs) I've been saying it's not a democracy. It's a monarchy. Because I think that's what John (laughs) Cheney said. I, I'm, that wasn't my quote. Some famous yeah. college coach whose book I read said that, and uh, it's right. Like you, the king, the king, or the, you know, the king get makes his decisions first. So uh, James Harden knows that, and and who else is Harden? Embiid isn't the best player Harden's even played with. Mm-hmm, correct. I mean, Durant's better than Embiid mm-hmm, historically. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul is going to have a better career probably. Than Embiid, mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook at least has one MVP. Joe, I didn't have that yet. <laughs> like Harden's played with some cats now. Yes, Eric yes. Gordon's a hell of a player. He knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I still think it's better to talk than not talk. Don't get me wrong. But but here's where I think everyone's missing, Joe. I'll be real brief on this. Uh, everyone is all excited about the talking, but I, I'm I'm really focused on the listening. Mm-hmm. Like, how good is Doc going to listen to James? And how well is James going to listen to Doc and then throw, throw Embiid in there? He deserves a voice in this. He is, I think, probably their best player. I'm not even sure James argues that. James even kind of said. He said, I, he's like, I'm not the president. I've been that before, but that's not me. Yeah, he knows it's I, I really love that. Yeah, I really love that. It doesn't matter because sometimes you also got to let the defense dictate. Not always. There are times where you want to dictate to a bad defense, but to an elite defense that has decided we're doing this and this, you've got to make some adjustments. As we talked about with hurricane winds and with storm surge, there's really not much you can do. But when it's a little bit lesser, you can. There are some things to counteract it. Well, it's the same thing here. Uh, uh, There are some defenses that are just going to take Joel out. But the other teams that don't have that, there's nothing they can do. So do what you can with Joel and build off that. I think that James probably gets it best. And Doc would probably best saying, you know what? If Joel, if Joel is the king and James is the queen, you know, I'm the bishop. <laughs> I'm the prince. <laughs> That'd be a good role for him. You have to speak up when you need to and you have to hold guys accountable. It's your job mm-hmm. as a leader. Mm-hmm. But you, but these, these basketball intellects know every bit as much as him at this point. And, and, they, and they know how to get a great offense going. So that, you know, this is the part that I love. And this is, as Henry often says, you know, our advantage over other outlets and other media places is Coach Thorpe, right? He's like, you're basketball knowledge, what you do working with players. So the first time you work with, let's just say, an all-NBA caliber player, and you may know them in passing, but you've never worked with them. So they they don't know your bona fides, but their agent recommended you or whatever. This is about relationship building and trust. I imagine, because I know how you are, you don't roll in the gym the first day and start barking. This is That's not what you do, right? I imagine you're observing a ton at first and not really saying a whole lot. But talk us through that process of how you start to build trust. And you mentioned listening, right? Hearing feedback from them and, det- and determining when and where you should impact and have input about their games. The thing about the, the world's best players is they, they, uh, they do everything with a plan. They're reading the game at such an advanced level and they're dictating at such an advanced level. So I like to ask, what were you thinking? It's just simple as that. What were you thinking? 
man, they're going to paint the hell of a picture. <laughs> the, the really talented young players don't. They're just cooking their guy. The, the, the world's best players that are experienced, they're, they're seeing it all. He, listen to LeBron describe a play. He ain't alone in that, by the way. He's just the most famous guy. But all these top guys, and I'm telling you something, as someone who talks to players literally every day, NBA players, you'd be surprised, I bet, at the amount of specific information they can offer when describing, mm-hmm. like, for example, a practice. I have a player who calls me almost every day on WhatsApp. Uh, doesn't call me. We leave voice messages to each other a lot. Um, I started it. He's in his car. He lives in a, a city that he drives a lot. And I started it, and he really likes that idea. Man, he'll give me a 10-minute description of practice. Now, this is four hours after practice started. He's done his practice. He's done his weightlifting, his stretching, blah, blah, blah. Now he's driving back extra shooting. And it's drill by drill by drill and what the coach was emphasizing and what worked well and what did he struggle with. And, hey, coach, can you send me a clip on this or this or this? And this guy's a nice player. He's not great. He might be. He's young. Um, They just see so much. So to me. I always want to know, what are you seeing? Because if I'm just dictating to him without asking, what is he seeing? I'm really missing half the game. I've got to know what he's seeing. And then my job might be, ooh, consider this, think about this. Did you look at this? Uh, What do you think about this? And then we go back and forth. I think that's the better way to do it for these guys. And it's a partnership, right? Like you're, because they are professional. So they've gotten to this level, which means not only do they have a shorter amount of skill, they understand the game at a very high level, right? So, and of course the best in the world, as you say, like your LeBrons and Chris Paul, they're yeah. like computer brains. They they see it. They've yeah. got reference points for literally everything. So it really is a partnership. And I think that is that's the interesting way when you look at these conversations that people are having, right? And when you talk about leadership, and you know, I love using your definition all the time. Talk about leadership is breathing spirit into the hearts and minds of right. others, right? Like that's what you're doing when you're a coach. And you know, looking at what's going on in Phoenix, I mean, <laughs> wow, what a situation over there, coach. And I, you know. So this was DeAndre uh, on earlier this week when someone asked about, remember this game seven, Western Conference semifinals, right. he was benched in that game. This is uh, DeAndre Ayton speaking. I haven't spoken to him at all, him being Monty, ever since the game. I can show him better than I can tell him. It's life. Nobody cares about the uncomfortable nature of it. It's how you perform and what you bring to the table. What's said is already said. And to me, that just sounds like, that's a, and, reading his body language and how short he was and t- that's there's a lot of hurt feelings and anger and animosity built up there that cl- clearly still has not been addressed all right that's on the eight inside this is monty when he was asked later on in the day maybe after practice about you know him having one-on-ones i think one-on-ones are always needed between guys i've been around for a while some guys need it and some guys don't i'll identify that as the season progresses i'll talk to everybody as i always do during camp and it won't be an issue at all that to me stood out because I'm like, he didn't even mention DeAndre's name or he right, he made it into a general thing. So from a le- and leadership and breathing spirit, and all, that's yeah. what Monty's really good at. Well, right now, it don't seem like a lot of spirit is being breathed yeah. into DeAndre Ayton <laughs> on that on that team. No, but I, I've heard I don't know DeAndre, but I, I've heard really smart people on different podcasts uh, rave about him as a like a sweet guy. Like a a good person who wants to like please it. his coach, it's, as a lot of these guys are, I do. Um, and so there's a really a great opportunity. Uh, Pop Pop would say, you know, dinner and wine. You know, Popovich. Mm-hmm. Uh, that solves a lot of problems. Uh, if I'm if I'm Monty, I'm saying to him, uh, we're we're having dinner every multiple day road trip for this season. Early on, it might be awkward. Later on, it's going to be great. Uh, I need you to be great, and you need me to be great for you. And let's just reconnect. We have a lot of time to do it. Uh, you could even say, I, I left you alone this summer, um, and I've, I've gathered my thoughts. I'm sure you have yours. But uh, we need each other to have the kind of you know, impact we want to make this year, make up for last year. And um, whatever I screwed up on last year, I'm going to listen to your complaints, and I'll share my views. But let's just let's just lock arm to arm and go together in this. And when we're mm-hmm. mad at each other, let's be honest with each other. Um, but let's commit just to sitting down, just you and me. 
you know, for every, again, and you can have a, you can have a, uh, assistant line up all those multiple times on the road. Mm-hmm. So there's a Monday of this week and Thursday of next week and Wednesday of the week after, uh, pencil in your schedule, Dr. Andre, you're having dinner with me. You have, you have, you can pick four cities of the, of the, you know, 15 times it'll happen, whatever, where you can go see family. Let me know. But it's you and me the other time. And then we'll just have lunch. But you got it. I think by doing that, DeAndre is going to feel okay. He sees me. I think that's such a big thing. Is uh, I always, I always, uh, I always tell players, don't just be seen, be felt. Especially when you're trying to make a team or earn a rotation. But in this case, I think DeAndre isn't feeling felt. He's seen. They, they pay. They're paying him. Right. So they see him. But, but he needs to be felt. He, 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 he. This guy was the first pick in the draft. He's full of pride. He has, he has absolutely scaled down his his avarice almost and trying to be a better offensive player for the betterment That's of the team, go. which is great. Mm-hmm. That, so you got to meet him now. You got to, you got to say, I feel what you've done to make us better. And it worked. You pissed me off. Whatever happened, happened. I benched you, but, but yeah, I, I know how you feel to the best. I mean, he was a player too, Imani. And let's, let's just walk together going forward. That happened, and and now you can really build something super strong that wasn't as strong before, even when they weren't fighting. Yeah, I, and that's exactly where I see it, Coach. As you know, he was the number one pick in that draft with Luca, Trey, Jaron Jackson Jr., and all those guys in the top five, except for Marvin Bagley the third, all got their contract extensions well before he did. Right, and granted, you got all defensive players and all NBA and all stars in there, all well and good, but he was the number one pick, and when. Chris Paul was brought to the team, to your point, he had to scale back his game and move down to the third option, right? That's not what he likely envisioned, right, when he got drafted well, number one. Not only that, Gerard, but he also stopped shooting threes. Remember, he want, he was like Weissman his first year. He wanted to show he had more of a step-out game. Like, like every big guy wants to be a guard, you know? <laughs> Almost everyone, I should say. And there's only one Jokic. Um, and so, yes, you're exactly right. He, he kind of took a sub... Uh, um, he just took a secondary role, tertiary role with Booker too, mm-hmm. uh, anchored a defense, mm-hmm. and delivered. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have paid him if if he if he didn't deliver. He delivered, and he's what is he twenty three, twenty two? Yeah, he's super twenty three. He's Come young, on. and and I think part of it too. So as I said, there's hurt feelings. I think there's going to be some sorry on both sides. What I'm just to your point, being seen and felt. I do think too the way that they. And it just happens, his contract, but like the way they slow played it. Remember, he didn't get an offer until Indiana offered one first. Yeah. And it's just like, well, I did everything you guys asked me to do, and you're still not even offering my money. And now Indiana's, well, screw it, I'm out of here then, right? And then you couple that with the benching and everything. It just seems like, again, and when you're young, you're full of hubris, and your pride's probably way bigger when you're young. So there's definitely bruised egos involved. And I just think, again, Monty as the leader and as the one who is vaunted with this throughout the throughout the nba i think he has to be the and not that deandre's not an adult but monty has to be the adult in this situation i think well so you you mentioned hubris and hubris and pride this is where um and i'm gonna get a little political here uh i have great respect for monty williams as a man not not because he went through a tragedy he he, he i respected him before that uh, he carries himself in a very professional way but i'm a little leery of super religious people I'm sorry. Mm. I just am. They mm-hmm. they can believe that their pride. They can believe that they're right, no matter what, mm-hmm. whether it's ordained by their father, or mm-hmm. what have you. Well, you can't have two guys settle if they both are so full of pride. You've got to you've got to wash that away some. And I'm a little concerned that yeah. that, that we're now in basically October tomorrow, and you guys haven't worked this out. Yep. I find that that you know. It doesn't mean it's over, like I said, but it's weird that they haven't yeah. figured it out yet. I'm with you. And I think, look, if this team wants to sort of be good and, and move forward, you know, people are saying, well, you know, this is just puts puts proof on the, on the paper that, you know, DeAndre's going to be out of here come once he's trade, trade eligible December 15th, they're moving him. And I'm like, you guys were the best team in the NBA yeah. last year. I'm not like, so sure that's true. I, think, I, I don't think so either. Yeah, I think if the script hasn't been written yet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they can write they can rewrite that script. It's not it's not an ink sent away yep. to the publisher. No, no, right. no. They can they can work this out. And and I think so. Hey Gerard, because I've been a little busy, <laughs> distracted. Has Chris Paul chimed in on this at all? 
I have not heard Chris Neither Paul say anything about it yet. I looked um, right, yeah. Or Booker. You know, or Booker. It's it's all interesting, especially, you know, we talk about Chris Paul, like, you know, talk about a leadership style. We know that his leadership style can grate on people after a yeah. while. Well, we are now in year three of the Chris Paul experience. And nobody on that team probably gets Chris Pauled more than DeAndre Ayton, right? He probably gets it the most. So it's like, I moved down to the tertiary role. I'm doing... I got to get yelled at by Chris Paul every single second yeah. of every day. And y'all still and, don't want to pay me. I mean, yeah. you know, he's feeling something. And I yeah. don't blame him for feeling how he's feeling, right? So, again, Monty, as you are, and to your point, Coach, the religious thing, that's an interesting point that you brought up. Something I read about him that he, that he Monty, that he, a quote he gave, he said, as far as X's and O's, he goes, I know that there's better people in the world at that, but where I am is, is the heart of a servant, my heart and willing to serve people, right? And that's the religious piece. I'm like, well... You need to do some serving right now, yeah. my guy. This dude, he needs a lot. Of, well, Jelly coaches, he needs a whole lot of that right now because he is the key. If is he, if he ain't bought into this, I don't care how good Chris Ball and Booker are. You, you guys ain't doing anything. You know, I always like to uh, go back to movies, and now I'm watching a little TV, which I never really used to do. Uh, do the people at Succession look happy? They're super <laughs> right. And you know this, and there's been studies, you know, we, we all probably have heard this study, $75,000. Now, that means probably 110 now, but right. when I was younger, if 70, you know, that, the happiness level tops out at, mm-hmm. with years ago at 75K a year. Right. Uh, more problems come in after that. They're good problems to have sometimes, uh, you're, you're, and they're different problems, right? Mm-hmm. So DeAndre is getting paid, mm-hmm. but... He doesn't make. He doesn't need to make more than probably hundred thousand dollars a year to be to be as happy as he can be. There's other things going on, and as someone who does get a chance to deal with these guys, I mean, I, I I've got a twenty two year old, you know, millionaire. You know, he's I've had many, but I have one right now that I'm talking to, and uh, he's got his head on straight and all of that. But he'll have some issues. It won't be paying his bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and I'm really proud of him too. He's driving a pretty regular car, like he's being smart with his money, but. Um, yeah, these are human beings. Are are yeah. They're they're we're very fragile, and this is something I was thinking about driving up yesterday uh, through the the devastation of the hurricane. Like we're just man, water. We're water and some stardust and bones. You know, it, there, there ain't much to us, and our brains is really jelly. Yeah. So um, we we've got to manage that with a little more sensitivity, I think. And I don't know that. I think the NBA teams who do that best, and Monty has done that well before, mm-hmm. um, they're the ones who keep winning games. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think again for for that situation in Phoenix, a whole lot of love's gonna have to be going there. It's funny we're gonna transition to this team now because well, wait, wait, Tyson. Gerard, what's yeah, going on yeah. with Crowder? Why is yeah, he so, so upset? Is that because Cam Johnson's gonna take his minutes? I I think that the Cam Johnson minutes is now a thing. I mean, look, it, we talk about this all the time. When you have a chance and you make the NBA Finals, man, you better treat that like it is the most precious thing ever because man, man, you may yeah. never get back there again. Yeah. And look look at Phoenix, two years ago, Finals, up 2-0 against Milwaukee. Last year, best record in the league. We saw what happened in this question conference semis against Luka. They may, I mean, at the way things are trending right now, it ain't certainly going in a positive direction, right? And Chris Paul's getting older. Crowder's mad that Cam Johnson's going to take his minutes. They have this, the Sarver situation hanging over their heads like... This could be end up really bad for Phoenix this year. And again, can they coalesce and, and again, have enough love and camaraderie among each other to fight through it? I don't know. But yeah, Crowder's, Crowder's pissed. I think that he's not coming to training camp. So basically, I try to find a trade for him to get him, sure. get, get him out of there. Um, and, you know, that's, whew, that's tough. It's, it, 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 you know, it's funny. Uh, I think Kevin Pelton's ESPN projection model had Phoenix coming out of the West with the most wins this season. I'm like, I can see that going the other way. I can see Phoenix totally cratering and just, you know, because I, this is all yeah, bad. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I think that um, ultimately Monty has a, a level of professionalism that I think will prevent that from happening. And Chris and Booker. Down. Booker is great. Mm-hmm. Booker's fantastic. Yeah, still getting better. Uh, DeAndre's got, um, a, a, you, you're, you're so great to point out, that he's already used to being yelled at by Chris Paul all the time. He, <laughs> yeah. he might be able to plow through this and compartmentalize, you know, and, and say, well, fuck this guy, but I'm still going to play hard, play for my teammates, whatever. But it's a weird dynamic. Yeah. It, it's yeah. handling success is a challenge. Handling success is a challenge. They've not handled it well. They had the 8 0 run 
in Disney or 901, wherever it was. And then they made it to the conference, the Western, the, the NBA finals. And then they won all these games. And it's, mm-hmm. they, they, you, know, you think you have it at your peak, but maybe they did. We'll see. They shouldn't have, yeah. but they might have. It's wild. And, you know, I wasn't going to talk to, about this team till last, but, you know, since we're talking about teams and camaraderie and connectiveness, let's let's go over to Brooklyn. Uh, the team that I, that, I, that I cover a lot, I was at Media Day this week. I'll probably head to one of the practices over the weekend. Um, <laughs> you know, Media Day is so funny, Coach, because I, I was liking it to the first day of school, right? Everybody's happy to be here. We're going to be great. We're going to do this. You know, it's all hunky-dory, um, except in Phoenix and in Boston. <laughs> um in Brooklyn, you know, Henry says something interesting. Well, at least it's out of, all out on the table now, right? No one ducks from anything. Kyrie said, well, it was a clusterfuck this summer. It sure was. Kyrie, how'd you feel when you opted in? And the next day, you heard Kevin say, yeah, I want out. Kyrie was like, it was awkward. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. Um, Kevin didn't deny going into Joe's office and saying, I want to get traded. You're going to fire Steve or all that. So in many ways, nothing's festering now, right? We Everyone knows what the deal is. It's out there. Um, so now can they move ahead and move forward as an organization and as a team and the key person in, I mean, a lot of key people, but the key person who you've written about extensively, and you said this months before it happened is Ben Simmons and making sure he's getting not only with all the, all the Royal jelly he needs, right? He it's every possible opportunity that the Nets are giving him to be the best version of himself. And Kyrie said something interesting after practice yesterday. He said, you know, we want an environment where Ben can feel safe and comfortable to be himself. Now, that could just be Kyrie speak, but there's truth in that, right? If Simmons feels safe and valued by the people that matter within that within that organization, I think they're going to get the best version of him. And the best version of Ben Simmons, as you know, because from a basketball perspective, I mean, that's like a perfect Lego feet, Lego piece for, for this team. They can do so many things. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ben Simmons in Brooklyn and sort of what they need to get him to be his best? Uh, are we doing our show on Monday? We are. So weekend of games and Monday show, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're publishing something Monday on this subject. Oh, you didn't know that. Good for you, Gerard. You're on top of things, my man. Yeah, I'm writing about Ben Simmons, basically, and, and what the Nets need to do. But I, I won't leave you high and dry here. Yeah. Think right. of it this way. Um, so again, I've got hurricane brain right now. If we could create a device that was able to take all the water coming in from the Gulf of Mexico, in this case, it was the Atlantic Ocean, and steer it towards another body of water that could use it, whatever, that'd be a great device. We'd be putting water where it's needed, and in this case, salt water, and saving everybody else mm-hmm. from being demolished by this wall of water. All right. Well, that's how I feel a lot of times about these kind of situations where you've got a player who needs a lot of something, and then you've got a lot of acrimony everywhere else, a lot of anger and frustration, angst, whatever. Everyone just send all your love to this one guy. <laughs> whatever, whatever's happening in the world, I'm going to make sure this person makes it. This is, this is like what you say to a mom struggling to, or a mom and her dad, struggling to find themselves identity-wise when their parents and their lives aren't going great. You make sure your child doesn't ever know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you find yourself in that. Mm-hmm. And the child gets to win too. Mm-hmm. So, man, if they can make Ben Simmons feel like he's a superstar again, that life can get really good for them. So I'm not going to – that's all I'll say. Uh, Working on a Monday. <laughs> yeah, they all have a role to play. And they in do. Kyrie's case, um, he's almost become like, whatever, dude. Like, I, I don't trust anything he says. Yeah. I, I, how could you? You, you, yeah. you know how you build someone's trust? It's like, um, you know, why would we ever listen to anything Michael Cohen says? Right. Guy worked for Donald Trump. Okay. Mm-hmm. Probably lied. He said he did. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, now it looks like he's telling the truth, but you're stupid if you really believe yeah. him. But what if right. five years from now, you look back at everything he started saying for the last five years has come out true? Great. All right. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it, right? You, yeah, you, you're you, building you, it, yep. Yeah, you piss someone off because you lied to them. They, if they welcome you back right away, shame on them. Mm-hmm. Give them some years of data. And so, Kyrie, I don't really care what you say. What are you <laughs> doing every day? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe I'll start trusting you as a reliable professional, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
Other th- and the Nets don't need him, and that's in my article too. Honestly, mm. he helps no, yeah. or he kills right. him. Yeah. So when you manage risk, why would you ever allow that? I- I'm going to take this medicine for this problem that I have that isn't going to kill me. The medicine might make me great or it might actually kill me. Well, I'm not taking the medicine. Right. Yeah, yeah. Kyrie yeah. is that. He's got some poison in him. He's got to, he's got to change. He, yeah, he has the sure. opportunity to do it. It's his choice. Well, and it's interesting because this year is very critical for him, right? In yeah. terms of if he wants to continue playing basketball, which we don't even know that. No. It's funny because he said, I thought it was wild that my, and this is during media day on Monday, yeah. that my, my, love for the game is being questioned i was like but why is that wild right you literally did not take a vaccine which made you were not available now you can people can paint it however they want he can paint it how he wants well it's a personal decision okay true but you signed on to be a part of a team right i'm sure there were many other well we know for a fact there were many other guys in the league who didn't want to do it but did it anyway for the good of their team matter of fact someone on the the recent champions did not want to do it Right, Andrew Wiggins did not want to do it, yet he did. A day, he like, a day later, yeah, yeah, a day yeah. after he said I could take it, he took it. Right, and and he did it for the betterment of his team. You did not, but forget about the vaccine. Yeah, go to the year prior. Right, you disappeared for two weeks because you needed time, bro. Like what? How can anybody trust you to say that you're going to do what you're going to do? Those examples alone have shown us you're not. That that's not that's someone who's not committed. And then let's not add we can add your injury history into this, right? Which okay, injuries you yeah. feel like it's hard to but okay, but that's part of it, right? Availability is yeah. important. You have not been that. Didn't he didn't he demand a trade out of Cleveland with uh, LeBron there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it wasn't like he was the um the panacea the Celtics needed when they were young. He was right. just the Correct. opposite. So Correct. this is his record. He gets to choose every day how he wants to go forward. Every day. And the vaccine is just a symptom. Correct. We all, we all have relationships, whether it's a significant other who's our life partner uh, or w- with our children, with our friends. And uh, if you are one of those selfish people who only see things through my eyes and aren't willing to compromise for them, you're going to be pretty lonely and you're going to be angry and frustrated when people don't trust you. Well, that's what we got here. Dude, Yeah, I, I got my fifth shot the other day. So did I. Because my, my brother, who's, who's one, you know, a sense smartest doctor I know, said, get your fucking fifth one. It's customized for the Omicron. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> my wife's like, boop, boop, boop. We did it. I'm like, yeah. I'm not fucking around here. I'm, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, not a, I, I'm, not a, I'm not an expert in that. Exactly. And neither are you, Kyrie. Well, certainly yeah. not an expert in that. And it's, this will be interesting because, you know, does he, he's gonna have to show that he's a committed guy this season for any team to want to get because he's a free agent at the end of this year to consider bringing him on? Yeah, I mean, if you're a GM, how could you justify to your boss, the owner, yeah, we're gonna sign that guy to a four year supermax deal? And they're also gonna look at you like, based on what, right? <laughs> like, what, what has he shown you that makes you believe he's going to honor the four years of that deal and not pull, pull one, of the, one of these stunts? Uh, no, nothing. I, I feel exactly the same. Yep. Yeah, you got to. He's got to anyway. change people's perception one day at a time. Yeah, correct. And it starts by you know being accountable now, showing up. Yeah. And I think when, when when Durant said you know he felt like guys weren't being held accountable, I feel like he's talking about Kyrie. Like he, it's not Durant's way to sort of mention names like that, but that's who he was talking about, right? And uh, right. I don't think the timing was coincidental that the day after Kyrie, I'm saying he's like, I want out, right? I don't think right. that was an accident. I, I. I... <laughs> To Kyrie's credit, I'm glad he said nice things about Ben Simmons. Did anyone else say anything nice about Ben Simmons? Uh, yes. Okay, Na- good. Nash, of course. The I mean, I meant players, like, players. Oh, yeah. Patty Mills, of okay, course, good. who loves him. Oh, right. Like Australian, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, from a basketball perspective, like, I mean, you're going to write a, It's coming out on Monday. Yeah. He fits perfectly with these guys. Oh, yeah. Like, and, and, I mean, and did you listen to the J.J. Reddick podcast? I did. I did. You, you want to know what my favorite part was? This is my yeah. favorite part. So, you know. Uh, JJ and Ben played. It was early in Ben's career. Yeah, and and they were recounting a uh, a play. Well, by where, the way, that was a couple years ago. Ben's a young guy. Yeah, he just ben turned twenty six. I think six. Yeah. yeah, he's super yeah. young. Yeah, and Ben got this pass out to JJ for three, and he's like, I remember I asked you, like, 
Ben, like, how'd you make that pass? And Ben, well, JJ, I'm 6'10". Like, I can make any pass. That, that's <laughs> in my story, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Great minds. Yeah, Great that's minds. That's my damn Great story. <laughs> yeah. I, he, how, I loved how light Ben was. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love I love that. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, first of all, JJ, and I, I write about him too. Um, that's, a, that's when you're, when you trust the guy trust. interviewing you. So key. Yeah. Um, and I, you'll see in my article when I write, you'll like it. But uh, that's what the Nets want to create with him is that sense of comfort. We, you know, um, when people have been around my kids and I or my wife, it, it's a really comfortable, like we've earned that comfortable feeling. We can needle each other. We don't need all my daughter so much. My son, we do. He loves it. He's very, he's the most self-deprecating dude you'll ever meet. <laughs> and because he knows it's, He's doing just fine. Like he, life is good for him, um, but you earn that. I didn't have that with my parents growing up. I still don't have that with my mom. I was with her these last three days nonstop because I drove her everywhere. Um, you have to earn that, and uh, that's a good thing to want as a teammate. Like I want this guy to be able to be open with me, and just to be himself with me and not be on guard. And that isn't easy to achieve. No, not for a no. lot of players. They've had too much. There's too many reasons to, I mean, dude, they're, they're, everyone's hustling everyone. I, I, I am lucky enough where I get to see what coaches send players. So their assistant coaches send, you know, assistant coaches send NBA players clips mm -hmm. with some commentary. I've seen, you know, thousands of these. Mm -hmm. And man, they're hustling these players too. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're so afraid to tell them the truth. I, I'm not afraid because right? right, I'm in a different right. role. I'm getting paid to help them, not the other way around. Yeah, I, I, yeah. And they it, just, it's funny that you say that. Yeah, yeah they're, I, not, I they're getting hustled, man. Oh, great job here! I'm like, what? You sucked on that play. <laughs> yeah, they they and they want the truth. Yeah, they want to play yes. better. I I love that you went there because again, this is this is the coach throw up advantage. Henry and I talked about this on Monday. It's very hard to be an NBA player, and the thing that you know the average fan has little sympathy for and empathy for. Is the million the plight of the millionaire athlete? Yeah, right? for sure. Because the average the average fan does not have millions of dollars, and they wrongfully, as we as you mentioned earlier with the seventy five thousand, yeah, uh, they wrongfully assume well because you have millions, your life is perfect, and yeah. we know nothing could be not even close, not even close. Every interact, almost every interaction an NBA player has, they have to, they're thinking in their mind: Does this person actually give a What's shit about me, or are they trying to get money from me? What's his angle? That sounds like a fucked up way to go through life. Number one, that everybody you meet, this is what exactly you're thinking. Right. So you, as a player development coach, you have to earn trust and establish trust with these guys. If they're paying you, how does that situation work when you're, it seems like honesty, you're, you're just brutally honest, yeah. but how important that is for you to develop that? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is, I, I, I you know, I'm really close to Ryan Pannone mm -hmm. and I may have mentioned this on the show before when Ryan, who's full-time coach, sits with the Pelicans now, when he first started helping me and I started giving him more freedom in his early twenties to run workouts, parts of workout. First of all, he'd run a drill. No, first he would just maybe talk a little bit. They would run a drill and they'd run three drills. Then he'd run half a practice. Then I would give him something for 20 minutes. And then I started letting him run everything and I would just oversee it. Um, but he had a problem uh, where he corrected everything every time. And he didn't let players breathe and let them figure it out for themselves a little bit. It's the same, it's the same thing with these guys. You have to, you got to pick your spots. You got to pick your spots. You have to know when you can be tough, but when they're hurting, that's not the time to say you fucking suck at this. That's not the time to do that. It's really for, from my experience, the same as a parent. I, uh, I got to get to know my kids well enough to know when I can come on them pretty hard, never yell and scream at them, whatever, but you know, you really disappointed me on this. You really fucked up on this. That's, that's easy to do when they're doing great. Mm -hmm. uh, you really have their attention because they want to be even better. They, they enjoy the feeling of, Hey, this is great. I want to do that again. Okay. Then quit doing these fucking stupid things. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but you said already transparency, honesty, uh, I, they, they, you know, when you've been hustled your whole life, uh, you sense it, like, you know, you're being hustled and sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes it's just an awkward connection because the person coaching them knows that, man, I don't think this guy trusts me. And so they try too hard. That seems like a hustle, but it's not. And so that's where the players got to get better receiving information. Um, and, uh, there, you know, my favorite players have always been the ones that want to walk halfway to me. I may have, I may have told the story once before where 
uh, and I was helping Lou all day. And he was in our gym for the summer. And, um, and I had someone else running the practice and I was just kind of overseeing it. And he would always kind of make eye contact with me and I'd walk over and we were doing, let's say a drill where you would like, we do one, like uh, two dribble cross cross. So it's pound, pound with the right hand, cross, cross, mm-hmm. then left hand, pound, pound, cross, cross, whatever. And you do it for 30 seconds, whatever. And, and Lou, I would say, watch how much longer I go than everyone. And so if, if the coach said stop, he would go like six seconds, long, six seconds longer. Uh, if they see, he said do 12, then Lou, I'll do 15. <laughs> but so he was doing it to work harder, but he was also saying to me, coach, uh, I'm so into this that I'm going to go extra for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Martin used to every year, the same thing happened with Kevin. Uh, he would tell me, I'll, I'll, Hey coach, I'll be down there June 1st. And on May 25th, he'd walk in the gym out of nowhere. <laughs> and he would coordinate with one of my assistants. When is, where are you going to be at 10 o'clock on a Monday? I'm coming in a week early. And finally I said to him, like, what are you doing? Like, you could just tell me. He's like, coach, I just want you to know I'm excited to see you. And I want to surprise <laughs> you. And then he just bought a house here. Actually, he bought a townhouse. And he started, he's like, fuck it. Why am I doing this? I'm just going to live there. And, not, and you and I can coordinate together. But that's, that's when you know you've got something going. At least for me anyway. When the players start wanting to make you happy, that, you have to earn that. It takes time. And you can't just dictate to these guys. Going back to the Doc Rivers thing. And again, I think Doc speaks to many players just fine, but it's not, it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. We all know that about Doc. And he's changed a lot over the years too. But uh, you, if you start trying to tell James how to play, I just don't think that's going to be successful. I, and, and I think James has earned the right for me to say that this is Mozart. Just understand that the three years he put together and won one MVP, man, I stacked it up against the best of all time. And he'd be Incredible. right fucking there. Yep. He may not be number one. Pick right. Jordan's best three years. Pick LeBron's best three years. Pick Curry's best three years. Mm-hmm. Jay, you know, Wilt. James Harden is right there. It's yeah. not just because he's a slick ball handler and had to step back. Come on, man. Yeah. There's a huge encyclopedia of information in that brain that allowed him to do what he did mm-hmm. uh, for three fucking years. Mm-hmm. So you're better to ask, like, what do you think? When you go see the heart doctor, you know, I'm going to see my heart doctor for checkup in October. I ain't going to tell him, <laughs> here's what you should be seeing. It's, what do you see, doc? He's got the experience, not me. <laughs> you go to your, heart, your cardiologist. Yeah. So what do you think about? No, 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 no. 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 I, I got this. Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, 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 a, I'm a, a good listener. That's the, probably the best way to deal with James Harden. So another interesting thing that, and I, something that struck to me that, that you brought up, and I think, probably that aids you in your relationship with, with, with players. You, you mentioned, you know, once I started giving Ryan stuff to do and your other coaches, you don't have a fear of a, someone beneath you coming up and outshining you. I feel like, in fact, you rather encourage that, right? Your goal, your goal with Ryan Panone is if I wasn't here, I wanted to be in a situation where you can run this gym and do it all. And I wouldn't need to be here. And there's a level of, I think the players probably pick up on that too, where they go, well, this guy ain't in it because he wants to be the man to get the credit. He just wants good everybody around him to be good. And I think that's a piece that they can sniff out too. Yeah. You know, I know that players like the fact that I don't really post, we talk about it, but I don't like talking about players until they're done more or less. Mm-hmm. And if I'm writing about a player, I will always write. Like I, I am not trying to sell my guys through true hoop. And Henry knows that. If I work with a player, I'm going to admit that I did. There's a lot of players in the league. I don't work with that many of them. Um, but you'll never see me on Instagram. You don't see it on right. Twitter. I don't mm-hmm. do that typically. Other guys do, and they can, they can market themselves any way they want to. I just I didn't feel comfortable for this reasons we're talking about. Um, I, I, we're trying to make players better. That's all our mission. So I need help. I, I want to try to – I heard Ryan on a podcast a couple months ago where he, he, he admitted this. I had never heard him say this before. He was saying nice things about me, but he also said when coach gave me this, like he was doing it for himself too, because he made our players feel that much better. Like, Oh, I got two smart guys in the gym here or three or four and not just one, man, I'm in a even better place. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You, I I had to make every mistake. I still have to make every mistake. I say to players all the time, (laughs) I'll say, I might be smarter than everyone you, you've ever met as a shooting coach. Maybe not, but maybe I have been. But it doesn't mean I know everything. So when you hear me being quiet, 
meaning I'm not talking. I'm just trying to figure shit out, man. <laughs> what I won't do is talk just to hear myself think. No, if I'm watching you shoot and you're missing, I normally can diagnose it pretty fast, but not always. So just keep doing what you're doing. I'll guide you through it. But when I get quiet, I'm just trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I wouldn't want my doctor operating on my heart trying to figure shit out. <laughs> figure it out first and then operate. Yeah. So that's that's my approach to it. Pride gets us all in trouble. You know, pride gets us. That's why religion worries me so much. I, I got no pride with stuff like that. I'm always trying to learn. I was watching, I was watching Weissman and and Kaminga and Moody and um, Ryan Rollins. Who that mm-hmm. he didn't play well today. Wait, he's got some talent. He's just young, but also Hachimura. Um, I I don't claim to think these guys. I don't. I'm not a believer that these guys are who they have been. At some point, like Desmond Bain, I was talking to Travis, our editor, earlier today. I think Desmond's probably, I think we know who he's going to be. Mm-hmm. And he's relatively young. He, he played long run college, but, and he's great. But most of these guys, like, let them breathe. Yeah. Let's not yeah. just say this is who he is just yet. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know that everyone does that successfully. I yeah. think we should be more patient with players and let them develop. And and don't set ceilings too low too early. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well said. Uh, last, last bit of news before we get out of here. Just a quick thing. Um, OKC and Houston involved in an eight-player trade. Derek Favors winds up um, on the Rockets, which I imagine is um, you know what they got because they no more no more Christian Woods. Like all right, we need another bit another big body in here. I think you know this is what year three for Stephen Silas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but the yeah, first one three. wasn't the full year. I don't think. Yeah. They, okay. So like, I don't so think so. Yeah, probably not. So maybe his second full year. Um, it'll be interesting to see with Jalen Green and those guys that they had Sengun and all those young guys they have down there. You know what? What they decide to do is it another year where we're going in for Web and Yama, Web and Yama, or are they like, no, we're gonna try to win games this year? It'll be interesting to see. I I, I thought it was uh, first of all, I've never met Derek Favors, but the players that I've helped that played with him love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, good like, guy. Never once heard anything but great fucking guy. That's not a bad guy to have to around a young team. I'm not a big believer in that uh, necessarily. Just because you're a veteran doesn't mean anything to me. What kind of veteran are you? I think he's the right one. I think Houston is probably taking the approach of uh, we're going to play our young players, and we may suck, but we may not, and we can take that too. We've got enough talents here now where we're not going to just trash the season for the one in whatever chance we get Victor, who's pretty talented. Um, yeah, but, uh, I like that. And I think, I think, uh, the Thunder picked up a trade exception. I'm not, I'm not great at these kind of things. I can evaluate on the court really great. I'm not always great off the court, but I think the Thunder, I think the Rockets got a pick for taking on some salary and the Thunder get a trade exception, which has meaning. And Derek Favors can either provide some good counsel or they can maybe trade him to a team desperate for a backup big in the players to get another second rounder back. So yeah, that's, that's my guess is it's a wash, but fine for both teams. And and that's, that's the piece that you mentioned. That's interesting right there is that holding on to a guy like favors or some of these other uh, bigs that are, that are veterans, you know, that playoff teams are going to need centers come playoff time. And that's a a nice piece you can have to trade Uh, really quick before we go. um, Probably. I know you've watched him a little bit. You probably haven't watched a ton yet, but Victor thoughts. I know you'll, you'll like him a lot. Um, Any, any concerns about him? I mean, you know me, tall shooting people. That's my basketball love language. But when they're super tall, you get a little bit trepidatious because you're like, oh, God, are you going to get hurt? Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way about Chet. And I don't know, I don't know that my concerns are why Chet got hurt. Uh, they could be mutually exclusive. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be a little concerned about it. Uh, he's, he's better than Chet yeah. coming out. Yeah. He's just mm-hmm. a more fluid mm-hmm. uh, athlete player. Uh, doing at a very high level, pretty impressively. Uh, to Chet's credit, he's a worker. Yeah. And I don't know anything about Victor, but Chet's a real worker. I'm talking to former teammates of his. That dude will not stop. And I just read something today about how hard he's going now. And yeah, he's attacking however, his rehab. Yeah, yeah, whatever he can do. That, to me, you know, capacity for work and capacity for learning are the two biggest things I look at when I first evaluate a player, um, separate from the obvious stuff. And so I don't know anything about Victor that way, but He's, you know, he's super, super talented. That's for sure. Yeah. And he seems like, 
everyone's looking like that's the one they want, right? Yeah. That that'll be at least yeah. as it stands today. Like things could change coming right. next next right. June, but when, he, when he like ankle he, sprain. Exactly. It looks like he's the number one pick. All right. Well, coach, we are glad that you are safe and dry uh, down in Florida. And it'll be preseason games happening this weekend. I can't wait for that piece coming out on Monday. So, of course, of course you picked that moment. Great minds. Great minds think alike. I I knew you'd like that that part of that of of the podcast. Looking forward to hearing that. And uh, everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Take care.